Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, January 3rd, 2017. Happy New Year to everyone out there. Me and Shaka are back to talk some football. Shaka, how is 2017 treating you? Uh, the Jets won, but so far so good. Happy New Year, guys. Yeah, man, dude, the Jets, the Jets, that was, listen, I know that, uh, I don't really know exactly how much the Bills put up much of a quote-unquote effort. Um, Look, I'm being a bit facetious there. Uh, you know, that, that kickoff that the Bills forgot to field pretty much sums <laughs> up that entire game. I mean, I, listen, I, I, don't, I, I feel like I have to say holy fucking shit for something like that. It was a little ridiculous. It's probably one of the worst plays I've ever seen in, like, professional sports. Dude, just... just really... Guys, not knowing what the hell they're supposed to be doing, and and really doing it on kind of a, a big big stage. L- let me tell you oh, something. Yeah. That team did not start twenty seventeen out very well. I can tell you that right now. So yeah, it, it sums up uh, what the Bills manager is going to be doing for twenty seventeen as well, figuring out what they're supposed to be doing. But I will say that on New Year's Day to kick off the first day of twenty seventeen, your Jets and my Eagles won. So I think that's a pretty good sign. That's a plus, absolutely. Um, but, uh, Shaka, you're here now, so we can talk football, as we do. Um, the first topic I wanted to throw out there was the MVP race. I thought this would be a good discussion, and then I figured we'll, ta- we'll spend most of the podcast ripping apart the wildcard weekend. Um, first off, I want to throw out there, regarding the MVP discussion, um, I think one of the biggest topics out there, which is, in my opinion, right now, I know a couple weeks ago I had talked about Tom Brady being an MVP, but I'm saying right now I think that Matt Ryan is probably the front runner. Uh, I think the numbers that he's put up this season have been magnificent. The offense as a whole is very dynamic. It's really not just Julio Jones. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the thing I want to highlight is he's kind of my pick for MVP, but we have to start talking about Aaron Rodgers right now. I know he's... Part of my, what I want to throw your way is, is the hype about Aaron Rodgers saying he's going to run the table, going ahead and running the table, being Aaron Rodgers. Listen, you know, Matt Ryan does not do the discount double check commercials like Aaron Rodgers does. You know, he's kind of on everybody's, you know, he's on the tip of everybody's tongue right now. Do you think Aaron Rodgers would like steal the MVP award right now because of what he's done? Or do you think like someone like Matt Ryan... Or maybe Dak Prescott could actually take the the award. Tell me what you're thinking. Well, I'm a little bit kind of hesitant to even talk about this, specifically because the last time I mentioned someone for MVP, the next weekend they immediately went and broke the fibula. <laughs> so I'm a little nervous. But um, absolutely, I'm going to go ahead and just say, screw it. Aaron Rodgers is my MVP pick. You're going with Aaron Rodgers. You are feeling the groove. I really got no choice in this one. I mean, look, you and I talked about this all year where, you know, as bad as the Packers were as an overall team, mm-hmm. we felt that Aaron Rodgers as a player, as a quarterback, is absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the season-ending numbers, 40 touchdowns, mm-hmm. 70 interceptions, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry, 7 interceptions, uh, that's, that's friggin' fantastic. And that's, what, mag- that's magnificent, those numbers. Who would not want those from your starting quarterback, you know, and to not only win your last six games, um, decisive, you know, end of the game, end of the season game where you look absolutely masterful. Dude. No one's even close. Brilliant. Brilliant performance. Brilliant performance. One of the best playoff games I've ever seen, or potentially, you know, make or break games going into a playoff we, we, We can classify that as playoff caliber. 
I'd say so. And, I mean, let's look at the numbers from the last six games, you know, where he said he'd run the table. 15 touchdowns, no interceptions. Jesus. And a passer rating of 121. Oh, my God. Just flawless. Just flawless fucking play. Uh, you know, just I, I don't see how I could look. We're talking about the most valuable player. Yeah. On a team with a pass defense that's abysmal, near yeah. bottom of the league. Um, you played most of the season without a starting, a defining starting running back. Yeah, yeah. Um, wide receiver play that, you know, not necessarily inconsistent, but just there's no, we'd say Devontae Adams is the number one out there now, but. For a good part of the season, couldn't say that. Yeah, there was Not there really was this Jordy Nelson still recovering from the ACL. Devontae exactly. Adams is still dropping passes. Randall Cobb is not who he was. There was some skepticism. A lot of question marks, and I mean, again, forty you put forty touchdowns with you know questionable wide receiver play, wide um, defensive play. And how can you not be the most valuable player? You you literally drag the carcass of your team into the playoffs. Now. Let me play devil's advocate simply because this is, a good, this is a great discussion. Now, how are you going to sort of throw in there the Aaron Rodgers? Because listen, until he ran the table and finished 10-6, and six, this team was 4-6, and six, and you named it, man. One of the reasons he's one of the greatest MVP candidates right now is because he truly was the most valuable player on the team with a team that had a struggling defense struggling offensive pieces, how he was able to pull it all together. It makes perfect sense as the perfect example of an MVP. I think you can agree that, you know, MVPs are not always chosen by that criteria. Um, That's very true. It usually goes by, you know, offensive numbers, which mm -hmm. in your case, Matt Ryan and Tom Brady, absolutely, of course, they're up there. I mean, let me throw out there Tom Brady. Tom Brady, you know, I I mean, he missed those four games, but... Was Aaron Rodgers bad during the first ten games of the season when he went four and six? I don't think he was bad, but he did struggle. Sure, I mean that's fair, but I think that kind of goes across the board in terms of uh, team play. And I'm going to throw this back at you: if we want to use uh, Tom Brady and Matt Ryan and prop them up as MVP candidates, mm-hmm. I would say you know then don't call them the most valuable player. Uh, you know the, the the best offensive player. Yeah, you know or you know, the Offensive Player of the Year award. I'd, yeah. I'd be happy to give that to Tom Brady or Matt Ryan. Clearly, they are, they you know, epitomize that statistic. But if you're going to call it the most valuable player, you're talking about, hey, look, the, the Patriots went 3-1 and one without Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, that system, you know, just not to get the one year where Tom Brady was injured and Matt Castle just barely missed the playoffs with that team. I mean, not to diminish anything that Tom Brady's done accomplishment-wise, mm-hmm. but the Patriots system is just built so well. You can put in a Jacoby Brissett mm-hmm. or a Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, still be a competitive playoff potential team. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do the same thing with a, a Packers team or even to a degree the Falcons team. You, no, you, Brandon, you have a Julio Jones. You can't no, do the same thing. You really can't. I mean, if, if anything... Uh, that certainly builds up Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan's cases because those teams, I think, certainly looked to them a little bit more. Now, I don't want to get away from Tom Brady too much because, listen, I think that the Patriots are a hell of a franchise, very well-run system. Um, But, you know, listen, those backup quarterbacks, I don't know if they could have dragged that team to the playoffs like Tom Brady does. And, And let's think about Tom Brady's numbers since he's been playing, you know, I'm I'm pulling him up right now. He's he threw 28 inter, 28 touchdowns to two interceptions. 
He went 11-1 and in the games that he started. That's pretty darn impressive. Um, and I guess that kind of starts putting you in the... Because if we start talking about Matt Ryan and Tom Brady as legitimate options, we, we need to start talking about the Dak Prescott, too. Dak Prescott shouldn't be thoroughly dismissed just because he's got Ezekiel Elliott in offensive line. But it does feed more into this discussion of most valuable player because... The, the guy who had the least going on around him on his team was Aaron Rodgers, whereas the guy who probably had the most was Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Right. I think, uh, I think that factors in just, uh, you, again, you, you put a rookie quarterback in for the Cowboys, and he ends up taking a team you know, to the top of the division, a playoff bound, where the guy who he's replacing as a starter is – more or less relegated to the backup position. And there's only one split second of the season mm-hmm. where it came into the question whether or not Prescott should still be the starter. And that's because he had one bad game yeah. against a good team. Dude, I, and, you know, and so... Hater's uh, going to hate, man. I, I can give him credit, but I don't. I can't really say he's an MVP candidate to me. If he is, then I can say Ezekiel Elliott gets an equal share of that because Ezekiel Elliott at times just looked unstoppable on the field. Yeah. And so it was a great compliment. You, I would say you put them both up as candidates yeah. for MVP and simultaneously. If and if you're putting them both up, then they sort of eliminate each other because part of again, part of being the MVP is being the most valuable player. And you know who's more valuable, Dak or Ezekiel? And I kind of think they're you can't you can't take anything away from either one of them. Exactly. Uh, now, listen. Before we move on from this MVP discussion, I'm still leaning on Matt Ryan just because the offense was breathtaking. I think. You know, it feeds into your argument for Aaron Rodgers because Matt Ryan clearly had more pieces. Alex Mack coming in as center for that offensive line definitely changed their ability to pass block and run block. Their running game exploded. Their passing game exploded. Got to give credit to Kyle Shanahan. Like, everything sort of clicked. Like, on paper, I still think Matt Ryan's the front runner just because of the body of work that he put together for the whole season. You know, Aaron Rodgers has got the first chunk of the season that's kind of working against him. And Tom Brady's got his suspension working against him. If And, you know, the last thing I want to say before we get away from this is Derek Carr. Can, can Derek Carr still be in this discussion, or does his injury kind of yank him out of this discussion? Like, how how, how much of a front-runner would you say Derek Carr is? Like, if you could, like, do you think Derek Carr could win it over Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan? It's painful for me to, to kind of d- diminish or, you know, dismiss what Derek Carr has done this season. But I think, honestly, in the eyes of the voters, if we're talking about what the voters are looking at, mm-hmm. it probably is going to carry some weight. Uh, you know, I'm looking at his numbers now. He's got 20 touchdowns, mm-hmm. six interceptions, and just under 4,000 yards this season. Yeah. Uh, it, and you know he would have cracked 4,000 if he played that last game of the season. Yeah, and, I, I you know, my argument, my original argument, uh, you know, on a, on a previous podcast was just, in, just in terms of look at, how they they won these games, mm-hmm. you know, how they made it to this playoff run. Just these close games where the defense, which was not that great, mm-hmm. was just, you know, not putting it together, not closing out games for them, so he had no choice but to do it himself. Mm-hmm. And I think, and he I mean, was, unfortunately... Derek Carr was burning down game. defenses with his passing I, game. I, I feel remiss to say, I think it's just kind of, it's going to be kind of forgotten a little bit. The fact that he's not 
visibly in, in front of you on the TV every weekend now um, in a playoff scenario. Yeah. I think it's, people are going to kind of forget, and that's what happens. People forget Dude, just what his impact was on this Raiders team because they're, they're shadow of their former selves right now. It's it's just an absolute shame. It is it is bummer with a capital B, man. It's just terrible. I, you know, um, before, I think it's a great opportunity to segue into the first wild card game, which is the Raiders and the Texans. Um, I'm I'm still picking Matt Ryan as, as my MVP. It sounds like you're going with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he was my he was my backup to Derek Carr actually when I originally made my uh, my first assessment. Okay. I little did I know how much better Aaron Rodgers would continue to play. Holy shit, man! I w- I was not expecting him to do what he did. I mean, when he said they were going to run the table at four and six, I was like, eh, I know you're Aaron Rodgers, but this Packers team is not very good. But to see them do that was breathtaking. I think we're all humbled. Um, okay, let's talk about Wild Card Weekend. Let's get in on it. Um, first game. Oakland Raiders are going to Houston to play the Texans at NRG Stadium. It's going to be in the afternoon this Saturday. Okay. The quarterback situation has completely devolved for both of these teams for two very different reasons. <laughs> so after all of this discussion about Matt McGloin, is he, gonna, is he any good? What are his problems? You know, on my way home, I was listening to a podcast, Bill Barnwell on ESPN, and it was the podcast from before Week 17 where they were talking about Matt McGloin. They were saying, what are his positives? What are his negatives? Little did anybody know... My God, football, never. there are plenty of surprises in the NFL. Matt McGloin goes down with a shoulder injury in Week 17. I can't make this shit up. And then all of a sudden, we're looking at Connor Cook. And me, like every single other person in the universe, jumped on my phone and my computer and started Googling Connor Cook and saying, who the hell is this guy? Or really, started Googling to be like, who the hell is the third string for the Raiders now that McGloin's hurt? I, I, you know what, Connor Cook. I knew the name, but I just had no. I, one, I didn't even know he was. He'd gotten drafted. Dude. Period to the NFL. So I had no idea where the hell he was. So I was kind of amazed. You better get ready because he's going to be starting a playoff game. It's. Look, I mean, I, listen. Matt unless McGloin, they tell me Matt McGloin's shoulder is going to be fine. I mean, initially I thought it was a concussion. I'm kind of. I wasn't too impressed with McGloin, and I'm. I'm not I, saying I, I, I needed. Just about to cut you off there, buddy. I was going to say let, let, let's. Let's not forget, before that shoulder injury, when he had a good shoulder, Matt McGloin was overthrowing a few passes. Oh, he looked, I don't know, he looked a little jittery. He looked very jittery. His passes were all over the place. I mean, uh, it's, this is another case for Derek Carr's MVP. You take him away, and I mean, you nailed it, man. There's Their defense, listen, their defense is not terrible, but it's nothing to write home about in Oakland. And now... I mean, all throughout the season, they were relying on their ability to just burn down defenses and run up the score, and you take Derek Carr away from that equation, holy shit, they can't do anything. And they look, they look mortal. They look like, I don't want to say, but actually it probably is the best um, comparison, they look like a normal Oakland Raiders team mm-hmm. that, you know, removed from this year. They look yeah. like what you expect the Oakland Raiders to play like. Yeah, a shabby team that doesn't really know how to get anything going on offense and lets up a lot of points, and that's what I'm seeing, and... You're going into Houston. This scares me. This looks right. like a yeah. loss for the Raiders, man, because Houston has a defense. Yeah. It was, um, I, I was just thinking about it. I was like, man, I was, well, remember, we were talking about the defensive play of the year here, potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you take him away, and God, this is this is a team at the bottom of the barrel. And, yeah. you know, now you look at it, and you look at them playing the Texans in the playoffs. Yeah. And, God, I. They just announced Brock Osweiler is going to start. Oh, my God. Dude, another quarterback. Brock being just getting benched because he sucks ass. 
and then Tom I, I Savage a, getting a concussion in week 17. What the hell are these guys doing? I almost want to roll on the floor laughing, but God, if you're a Raiders fan or a Texans fan, you're just, you're, you're probably like, God, shoot me now, because now it's Connor Cook versus Brock Osweiler. Oh. You know, just literally the bottom of the death chart at this point for both for both teams. I mean, to see Osweiler, listen, it's, it's un, I mean, I think it's good for him. He finally gets an opportunity to prove himself, but I don't think this is a step forward for the Texans. Um, I'm giving, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, show my hand right now. I'm picking the Texans because they're going to be at home. Brock Osweiler. Yeah. You've got that crowd. You've got that defense, and I'm telling you, this defense is going to chew up and spit out whoever the hell is under center for the Raiders. Connor Cook, uh, and look, he was a pretty good quarterback at Michigan State. Of course. Um, but, God, this is the NFL. Uh, and, and one. I don't, yes, yes, number one, the NFL. you, you, you got to face down a Texas defense, which, granted, the, the offense has always been questionable. That defense played pretty damn good this year. Yeah, it has. So Jadavian Clowney, got to give it up for Jadavian Clowney. He has finally started to look like a number one pick this year. Yeah, they're gonna have to make. He's gonna have to make veteran quarterback reads out there. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be giving him a lot of looks, a lot of shifts to throw him off. And you know, and um, you better expect he's gonna get a lot of pass rush. Yeah. Really, to just kind of see what he's made of, especially in the first quarter. And I don't know if he can hold up under that kind of pressure. And so now let's think about this. What do the Raiders need to do to succeed? I think that, number one, Raiders have a good offensive line. They, they kind of modeled themselves a little bit like the Cowboys in that way. They give good protection. Like McGloin and Cook had decent protection in Week 17, and they're going to have right. decent protection against the Texans. As much as the Texans are going to attack them, you know, I, I have faith in the Raiders' offensive line. But... Can the Raiders run the ball like they need to? Like, I think you're going to see... Do you remember that game when the Raiders beat the Denver Broncos and Latavius Murray had, like, three rushing touchdowns? We talked about how they went to that run game all of a sudden. He looked like a god in that game. I mean, I think that's the game plan the Raiders got to put together. It makes perfect sense because now your your all-star passer is not playing and you've got a third-string rookie behind under center. You want to put him in a position for him to succeed as much as possible. I guess my question is, are the Raiders going to be able to run on the Texans? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and double up on your impossibilities here, and I'm gonna say if the Raiders have any chance of winning this game, they're gonna have to play some defense. Yeah, uh, Khalil you know, Mack. Uh, this this has got to be a, an all world beater game for Khalil Mack if they even want to have a shot to win. He's got to rally the troops because you know what? Uh, at the end of the day, you do not have Derek Carr to bail you out with an amazing tip of the fingers catch by Michael Crabtree. Mm-hmm. If it happens. It, Bravo to to counter Cook, but it's highly unlikely. So the yeah. defense is going to have to they're going to have to come up with some big turnovers. They're going to have to maybe strip the ball out of Brock Osweiler's hands. And we know every now and then he's prone to throw an interception. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, everything's going to have to come together, come together, just to kind of keep them competitive in this game because we know the Texans are probably not going to put up a ton of points. No, they're not. But at this point, it's not looking like the Raiders are going to do the same as well. Do you? So, th- do, I mean, defense, do you think that the Texans running. will be able to score like? I mean, I know that the Raiders' D has some flaws, but, like, like, do you see this being a big game for Lamar Miller? I think I think they're going to really, they're going to try and establish the run. They're going to really, you know, press at every single opening they can find in this Raiders' defense. I'm sure they're watching the tapes. I'm mm-hmm. sure they're trying to figure out, you know, where the weaknesses are in the secondary. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to try probably to, to run the football on them first mm-hmm. just to see how, how successful they are. And if not, they're gonna they're gonna take some shots. Look, they still got 
a great um, wide receiver playing DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. You still got Will Fuller. You still got Fedor, which you, you have the weapons to do it. It's just a question is, can Brock Osweiler finally pull his head out of his ass and throw the football? So, you know, there's no time like the present. They have nothing to lose. This is probably going to be the easiest playoff game they have. Yeah. So if they can't put it together against the Raiders, then you shouldn't be in the playoffs. I completely agree. I This is an opportunity for the Texans to shine and... The, the thing that is frightening me is if, is if Brock Osweiler finds a way to lose the game on his own. If he throws a pick six at the end of the game, if he, gets, if he is the victim of a strip sack fumble by Khalil Mack like in the fourth quarter when it's a, within a field goal, like that's what's scaring me because you know what? Brock has not just figured out ways to not win. He's been figuring out ways to lose. And oh, man. I mean, listen, there's some, you know, as, as bad as the Raiders D has been, there's been some playmakers. Khalil Mack is, is nasty. Right. Bruce Irvin's been playing well. And, you know, I think that they let up points, but you know, you could see big playmakers like that turn the tide of this game. I'm still going with the Texans, but I mean, there are studs on the Raiders team, and listen, it, it was ve- this this Raiders team was really close to being the number two seed and getting a first round bye. It's, it, it, look, I think you're absolutely right in terms of we should not sleep on the Raiders. We should not write them off without Derek Carr. Granted, they are a much, I'd say, an underpowered team now that they don't have that kind of, you know, lethality. Mm-hmm. But I would still say I'm, I can't, I can't go against this Texans defense in terms of just making plays and making stops because they still, at the end of the day, you still got to have Latavius Murray run the football against that Texans wall. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a hard, it's a tall order. It's a tall order to pull off. So I'm still got to go Texans. Yeah, and in football, you're only as good as your weakest link, and if your quarterback is your weakest link, they will attack that as much as they possibly can. They're going to make it as hard as possible for Connor Cook, and if he can't make a couple of big throws, this game's going to be over fast. Look out. Okay, next up... Saturday night football, Detroit Lions play the Seattle Seahawks. This is this is an interesting matchup. The Lions essentially, I think they like to say they backed into the playoffs with a loss. I would say they stumbled in. Dude, they, they, they tripped and fell down the stairs into the playoffs, man. Um, again, I'm going to show my hand. It's It feels like the Seahawks in Seattle with that defense, it's going to be all Seattle to take this victory, but... What do the Lions need to do to actually try to take advantage of this game? Like, what what do they need to do? Do you think it's something defensively? Like, do you think the Lions' defense needs to try to figure out a way to slow down Russell Wilson and take advantage of the Seattle O-line? Because that's been the weak spot for the Seattle offense. What do you think? I, I really, I'm, I'm really trying to focus on your part of the, the question about the Lions, but I, can't, I just can't get out of my head how just shaky the Seahawks uh, you know, look on offense. Yeah, they do. They, they really, they look, they, they've been sputtering lately, and I, I'm really having a, a, a trouble, like, instilling or finding confidence in what they put on the field. Granted, Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, mm-hmm. and he's still got great wide receivers out there, and Doug Baldwin mm-hmm. and Jimmy Graham. It, it's not coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, even running back play has been kind of a question. Yeah, it really the has. Hand, the Lions, I, I think, you know, Zach Zenner has been playing fantastic. Dude, Zach Zenner, um, man, he's looking pretty good. Out of nowhere, who knew? Um, and you, you still have to factor in Golden Tate. It's probably Nash in his teeth. He's got a chance to go up against his old, old squad. Dude, you know it. Um, and Marvin Jones even had a pretty solid game, granted that they lost. Um, 
against the Packers. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I can't completely write off Detroit. They have a chance. They, you know, they have a chance in hell. I mean, but, they, um, they certainly have a chance. I'm, I'm skeptical about Stafford's ability to make some passes against that secondary. That, that, and that's the big, the big question because you still got to face off against Richard Sherman, and uh, you know that that, that the, the lethal safeties that they have out there. Um, man, I, 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 like I said, I still think the Lions are. They look like a team that's out of gas. Yeah, I think they're going to come out early and competitive, and they're going to have they're going to keep this thing close until halftime. Mm-hmm. And I think. I think the the second half, uh, Seattle peels away. I, I think something breaks, like it has in the last couple games for the Lions, and they they just lose ground until they lose the game outright. No, it might, it might be a situation like when they played the Cowboys on Monday night a couple of weeks ago, when you know the Lions looked good until halftime, and then the Cowboys just blew them out, and the Lions couldn't do anything on offense. Um, yeah, they can't. They just can't seem to keep it up. They can't no. keep up the pressure. They can't keep up that aggression. Because look. I, Stafford makes plays. He makes the big throws. He has the ability, but it just doesn't. It doesn't um, translate. It doesn't continue on. Like they can't keep it consistently through a game. I mean, what's been really disappointing is over the last handful of weeks, is the defense for the Lions has really fallen apart. I mean, this was a defense that was was pretty strong in the beginning of the season, but then. You know, they couldn't, I mean, Aaron Rodgers threw four touchdowns on them. If you look at their last handful of games, they've been letting up lots of points. I mean, they've got some playmakers. Darius Slay has not been on the field. That certainly has hurt them. Yeah, um, been big. But I'm suspecting... Haloti Nada. I mean, there's a part of me that's suspecting as terrible, or not as terrible, but, but as, as sputtering as the Seahawks' offense has been. I see them still, I see Russell Wilson rolling out of a broken-down pocket and just throwing, like, a, a third-and-fifteen touchdown to Doug Baldwin. You know what I mean? Entirely. That's that's textbook Russell Wilson at this point. Like, like that sounds like that's how this game is going to go. I think it's going to be close. I think the Lions are – Zach Sander, they're going to run it pretty well. Matthew Stafford's going to make a couple of really nice passes. But, you know, at, in the second half – you know, Richard Sherman in that defense is going to choke the Lions, and then, you know, Russell Wilson is going to work some magic and squeak them through this wild card game. I mean, this is a wild card game. I think for the Seahawks, for a team that is, has, which is loaded with Super Bowl champions, this is, you know, most of the core of this Seahawks team is still intact from when they won. Right. And, you know, I think a wild card game at home in their minds, this is, you know, they're not, they're certainly not sleeping on the Lions. But I think deep down they're kind of like, you know what? This is th- this should not be a challenge. Like we should be able to dismantle this Lions team. Maybe it'll be a close game, but in the end, it probably will not be that close. This team shouldn't even be here right now. Yeah. Um, you know what? I will say this: as amazing as Aaron Rodgers played against the Lions, there were definitely a couple passes he made out there where guys were wide open. Yeah. And we kind of got to give some of that credit to the defense, not playing their positions, not playing their no. assignments well. And no. the Lions secondary is given up, yeah. up some wide open passes. There's, there's so, been um, some very questionable coverage by that Lions team, especially in the latter half of the season when they should be getting hot. Yeah. So, I mean, the opportunities will be there for Seattle. It's just a question of um, Russell Wilson being able to capitalize. And I think he will. He's, he makes big plays. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm really curious to see if the Lions are able to get any pressure on Wilson if they're able to disrupt his ability to throw the ball or his ability to run, you know, if they keep him in the pocket, if they can contain him in the pocket, 
that's their shot. That's their opportunity. Yep. If they abuse that offensive line, if they don't let him bootleg out and try to, you know, you know, throw on the run, which is something that Aaron Rodgers likes to do, and I mean, the Lions struggled with that. But I mean, if they can do that, they've got a shot to win. But if they can't, I mean, this is Seattle all the way. Yeah, hundred percent. You you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, Aaron Rodgers is, is as great of a passer as he is. I think he, he probably deserves a little more love for his ability to kind of. Uh, Evade the pass rush oh my and God. scramble a little bit. He, he's, he's masterful. Dude, he, you know, not only could he scramble, effort. you know he was picking up first downs, man. He will scramble. And this is a guy who they've been talking about. He's got a calf injury. He's got a like a, a, a hamstring. He's got a thigh. Like Clearly, we saw him limping. We saw him holding his leg. But yet, he still rolls out and gets like a 11 or 10-yard first down by just with his legs. And those are the things that hurt you because it gives you a new set of downs to play with and new opportunities to throw the football. And, you know, I don't think you really need to give a guy like that that many opportunities. Now you factor that in and you've got, you know, Russell Wilson who's able to do the same kind of damage to you. Mm -hmm. He's a little bit more athletic out of the pocket Mm -hmm. than uh, an Aaron Rodgers. And you give him another set of downs. You give him a chance to run the football until you just wear out a defense that's not that great to begin with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Lions could be in trouble very quickly. You're right. They need to contain. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, that's again, I'm I'm talking about my Eagles. That's what Russell Wilson did to the Eagles this year. I mean, they would have a defensive stop that was brilliant, and then he'd roll out of the pocket and just you know lob a little thing right before he runs out of bounds to like Jimmy Graham, and all of a sudden it's a first down, and you and your defense is still on the field. Yikes. Okay, uh, so that's Saturday. Let's go to Sunday. Sunday morning, first game. Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Miami Dolphins. So you're going to see Matt Moore. I can't believe this shit. Matt Moore and Ben Roethlisberger. The, the fucking quarterbacks who are playing in the playoffs right now. Holy shit. I, I can't. Who knew? Who knew we would be here looking Dude, at it? So many of these. I mean, we were about to have Tom Savage. I mean, I don't know. Brock Osweiler's kind of status. I know he's a starter, but he's still kind of a joke. You know, you throw that in with Connor Cook, you throw that in with Matt Moore. I'm not saying all these guys are schlubs, but it's definitely a bunch of... It, it's not the typical names you would expect to see in the playoffs. No, not even remotely close. Um, you, you know what? Miami, God, I, I just credit for making it here. Yes, really got it. This is a team I never, never in a million years thought Miami was going to make it. So Adam Gacy, you know what? Hats off, bravo. Um, if the Dolphins find some way to get rid of you in the next season or two, then they deserve the the abyss of the bottom of the uh, of their conference that they rightly deserve. Because I look, man, you've turned Ryan Tannehill into a more than competent quarterback. Um, that running game, which just to just look at the timeline from the beginning of the season to the end, where Arian Foster retired, mm-hmm. not even midway through the season. And then Jay Ajayi pulls off, you know, multiple. I think he had three overall 200-yard rushing games this season. Mm-hmm. Just amazing, just amazing production from, you know, a guy who wasn't even the backup. Yeah. Uh, to start the season, and th- that just stringing together victories where you have no business being even in contention, and yeah. now making the playoff. And so. you know, and to be a team that has been. And, you know, and I've heard some podcast people and other radio uh, personalities talk about this, teams that are poorly run. I, I don't think it's a surprise that certain franchises are poorly run. This is, not, this is not news to anybody out there. It's clear the Patriots are run really, really well. It's clear the Browns are not. 
but you start talking about Miami Dolphins are a team that typically has not been run very well. They've, you know, they've made some off, you know, some free agent signings that were questionable, like when they signed Mike Wallace, when they signed Brandon Marshall, you know, some of these signings were really, really like, what the hell are you guys doing? You know, and then they bring in Indomitian Sue, they bring in, you know, all of these powerful defensive players, and yet they still can't get the defense to click. So to see Adam Gase come in, to see this team, and by the way, I've pulled up their schedule right now. I'm now looking at it. So they started off the season one and four. It looked like they were going right back down into the toilet where they normally have been. They're still trying to fit. And you said it. Adam Gase made Ryan Tannehill look good, or at least passable as good. I mean, he, the guy should get a fucking award just for that. Then he he the defense raises. The defense, you know, kind of, you know, rises to the top with uh, with Adam Gase's, um, you know, coaching, and Ryan Tannehill starts performing, and now they start the season off, and now listen to this. They lose to the Seahawks. They lose to the Patriots. They beat the Browns. Fuck that. Uh, and then they beat, and then they lose to the Bengals and the Titans, and then they reel off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight wins. That's, I mean, I just honestly just take a minute and take stock of that. Who who are the Dolphins playing that they can win seven fucking games in a row? Exactly. And and I believe that's when Ajayi showed up. And let me tell you, the beginning of that winning streak was at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers when uh, Ben Roethlisberger injured his knee and tore his meniscus. Yes. That right. is where that's... That, so now you're looking at the Steelers wanting revenge. They're going to have a game in their own house. Roethlisberger's healthy. Le'Veon Bell will be playing, I believe for the first time in three years in the playoffs, because the last two years, Le'Veon Bell has been injured in Week 17. And I think he even got hurt against the Browns. If I recall, one of those games, I think he got hurt against the Browns that he just played. But, uh, man, this, it, it, I'm sure he's very, very excited to be here. I'm sure he's going to probably probably tear the, 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 the cover off the football when he gets in there. Dude, you know he's going to be he's gonna be thirsty. Thir- he's licking his chops to try to rip apart this Dolphins team. But I, I kind of, the Dolphins to me are a very dangerous team. And, and I think that the rep, you know, I say this before, and I was talking about this with Aaron Rodgers. Lots of times, you know, football kind of has like, it's like a person. It's like, you know, everybody has a story or a thing that we want to hook, that we want to hang on, that we want to talk about. We want to talk about Aaron Rodgers running the table. We want to talk about Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, you know, you know breaking records and being breathtaking. We don't always want to talk about other things that are really, really high up on the list that have been going great this season, you know, like Matt Ryan having a colossal year. Or I think one of the stories we haven't wanted to talk about because it's not as flashy is the, is the rise of the Miami Dolphins. I see them as super, super dangerous for the Steelers team. I do not think they're going to be an easy out at all. I think they're going to go toe-for-toe with this Steeler team. And this brings up the case of the Steeler defense. Steeler defense has been up and down this year. They started the season and they were very questionable. And I say this after I saw them get obliterated by my Philadelphia Eagles in week three. Okay. If you're getting obliterated by the Eagles, and I'm not saying the Eagles have a bad offense, but listen, they did not have a particularly beautiful offense and the Steelers defense made them look like the Patriots this year. So now I'm sitting here saying, okay, yeah, the Steelers defense improved. It started to step up. The offensive line played like everything about the Steelers really started to improve. And then when Ben Roethlisberger came back, it was like they were on an absolute tear. But 
Matt Moore, listen, I don't feel the same way about Matt Moore like I do about Tom Savage or Matt McGloin or Connor Cook. I think Matt Moore's got a little bit more proven. He's a guy who I think can carry a team and can lead an offense down the field. So this, I think, is going to be a little closer than we expect. I'm just thinking that in the fourth quarter, the Steelers might end up doing what they did against the Bengals, where all of a sudden, or the Ravens, two weeks ago against the Ravens, when it was like, you know, both teams scored two touchdowns in the final three minutes of the game, and Antonio Brown, you know, had that touchdown where he reached his arm across and broke the plane. Yeah, like, that was an amazing touchdown. Amazing. Like, I'm thinking that the Steelers might need to do some crazy theatrics like that to pull out a win on this Dolphins team. Uh, what do you think? Do you think this is going to be a close game? You think, I mean, who are you picking okay. for this game? Well, you know what? You made some great points there. I completely agree with you in the fact that Matt Moore is, by and large, a much better quarterback than Connor Cook or Tom Savage. But I'm going to play a little bit of a devil's advocate here and say that... I, that being said... I still don't think Matt Moore has the tools and also the reps needed to really face face off and, you know, go toe-to-toe with Ben Roethlisberger, who's an absolute killer, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to playoff time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I'm going to take this into account, and I, I'm kind of just dredging back a little bit to last week's game. Just when I watched the Patriots dismantle this Miami Dolphins team, and Matt Moore did play, Mm -hmm. and Matt Moore did not look fantastic. Mm -hmm. He had a couple of touchdown plays, but I feel like some of them were garbage time. He did not look great. Mm -hmm. Um, The offense sputtered a little bit, uh, you know, and they got one big lucky throw, I think, um, to Kenny Stills Mm -hmm. uh, for a touchdown. So while Matt Moore is a much better quarterback, I still think that Miami Dolphins' outcome really is going to hinge on what we see from him you know, come this playoff game. And you factor that in which with the Steelers' defense, which I think as a unit is a better defensive team than the Patriots. Okay. And I think there's going to be a little bit of trouble for Matt Moore putting some points on the board. Now, with that said, uh-huh. we got to look at Le'Veon Bell. Yep. Yeah, Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, you've got so many other weapons on this team with Sammy Coates. Eli Rogers. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got God, I can't remember this guy's name. Marcus Wheaton. <laughs> Mark Ladarius Green. Marcus Wheaton's had a couple of big moments. I mean, they've got that was that was a joke. I'm not offense. seriously considering Marcus Wheaton. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have so many weapons on the offensive side, and I, I'm I'm trying to think of Adam Gates trying to find um really just the game plan ways to, kind of, ways to slow these guys, guys down. It, I mean, he's got a lot of strings to kind of pull. To keep, uh, you know, keep the Steelers' offense contained, and really, at the end of the day, the only way you can stop the Steelers' offense is if the Steelers' offense can't put it together. Yeah, which is a few times where they had these you know, games, right? Listen, we can't we can't negate the fact that Roethlisberger has looked a little shabby over the last couple of weeks. You're absolutely right. That is exactly my. You know, there's been a couple times where they kind of scratch your head and go, "How is this happening?" You know, on a third down situation where it should be an easy first down conversion and no dice, and they had to punt it away. Yeah, so there's been a couple times where inexplicably the Steelers' offense has sputtered, and that's the one big kind of question mark is can they get over these mental mistakes mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and really you get this well-oiled machine up and running, you know, in playoffs. Cause they, need, they need to be going. There's no more, you know, kind of figuring things out. You have to have it, you know, rolling. Now, do you think Jay Ajayi can run all over the Steelers' day? Do you think that's possible? 
He's done it before, so yeah. it would be ridiculous for me to rule him out as an impossibility. I think maybe the Steelers are probably going to game plan for him a little better now that they've been burned once. Mm-hmm. You know, there might be a few more defensive packages put in where they'll load up the box, especially, you know, considering that everything's not going to rely so much on the arm of Matt Moore. They're going to try and do a little bit more of a balanced offense. Okay. So I think the Steelers are going to weigh in on Jaya's uh, running ability a, a lot more. So, but in, in that being said, I still think he'll give you about 80 yards on the ground. Just you know, just share hard running ability. Okay. But I don't know if he's gonna. He's, I don't think he's gonna run circles around him like he did before. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think we're both picking the Steelers here. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. going to Steelers on this one. It's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to go against them. I, I mean, I think Miami's got a lot of talent. They've looked pretty exciting this year, but. I agree, man. They're fighters, but it's it's a, it's a, it's. I'm, it's a big hill to climb. Yeah, and I and, and you said it. They're fighters. I like that culture that Adam Gase has brought. I don't know if it's going to stick for next year, but this year, man, I mean, this team. Listen, this was a, this Miami Dolphins team was a team that when the going got tough, they rolled over. And this season was not that at all. No, I've been I've certainly been impressed with uh with what they put on the field. It just and it's been a couple of big moments and just big plays really from. Everyone on that team, where you just you didn't see it coming, even Deion Sims, the tight end, who yeah. came on strong towards the end of the year. I mean, just a couple of just you know nice pieces and and the uh, who, who the hell is how they progress. Who's that other running back? Damian Williams is that other running back they've got? Like they just were getting these. They got a couple, yeah, and Kenyon Drake, I think. Um, Kenyon Drake, team, man, they, come on, yeah. that guy was looking they great. They have a, a returner. I cannot remember. This guy is like five six. He's he looks like he's maybe one hundred and fifty pounds soaking wet, but he's like the fastest person I've seen in the NFL. I, I cannot remember his name, and if I find a highlight, I'll send it to you. But he's so fast. Uh, well, it's, I, I think the truth is neither of us think Jay Ajayi is going to run for another 200 yards on the Steelers. No, uh, not, not going to happen. Not again, not again. Um, but that brings us to, which I think is probably, and of course the NFL making it the last game of the weekend, probably the best matchup of Wild Card Weekend is the New York Giants and the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field. Man, oh man, what a game this is going to be. This is going to be a great game, man. This, So this, uh, you know what? I'm going to let you start with this one. You start talking about this game. I've got a few thoughts, but I want to hear where you're coming from on this game. I feel myself starting to stumble in front of the bus and roll out of the way miraculously at the last minute. Because, <laughs> man, oh man, um, I know everyone's talking about, you know, the, the Giants wide receivers flying out of Miami and partying with Justin Bieber and all mm-hmm. this bullshit. Yeah, yeah, but I yeah. Think that, I think they got to come. They're going to come back, and they're going to come back ready to play. Um, this is just really a big test for one, the Giants' defense, because mm-hmm. now you have to face a guy who's been razor sharp against every defense he's seen, no matter if it's good or shit. Mm-hmm. So you know he's going to come in ready for Dominic Rogers, Camardi, Eli Apple, anybody you throw at him, Landon mm-hmm. Collins. He's 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 going to be looking for opportunities. To make plays against this um this Giants team. You go into Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, side, and I can tell you right now, the guy is watching film on you. You know, and now on the other side, this Giants team, uh, man, I the offense just really that's my big question mark is, and it's nothing against um or praise for you know the Packers secondary, which while ranked pretty terribly, has played played some solid football <laughs> over the last few weeks. Last few weeks, they've looked pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just wondering what kind of Eli Manning we're going to see. And that really, God, oh God. I mean, just think about the New York papers the day after this oh game if God. Eli fucks this up. 
it just you, you're gonna have to face off against Aaron Rodgers at his best. Maybe probably the best stretch of football he's played in his career. And you really, really, really cannot afford to turn this football over. Nope. Um, you gotta put points on the board because you better believe Aaron Rodgers is coming to score on every fucking drive. Dude. I mean, that being said, I mean I asking me to pick a winner. To pick a winner, I'm, I'm going to probably have to say the Giants by a field goal. Wow. And I, and I could be wrong. I mean, I would not be surprised if Aaron Rodgers comes in here and just, just you know, mimes the belt, mimes the championship belt again mm-hmm. on the Giants. You know, I so thank you, because I'm thinking some of the same things. You nailed it. <laughs> Is which Eli Manning are we going to see? Are we going to see Dr. Jekyll? Or are we going to see Mr. Hyde? By the way, everyone, if you guys don't know, Mr. Hyde is the scary, evil, awful Eli Manning who throws four picks. <laughs> Dr. Jekyll is the guy who throws three three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Okay, guys? Um, it's, it's, man, I'm just preparing to hide my head in the sand. I'm, I'm a Jets fan, and even I'm, I cringe watching Eli play sometimes. <laughs> just the bonehead decisions. And, and yet, deep down, do you, do you wish he was your quarterback? You know what? I, I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine him with that with that Jets core. Uh, God, no. I, I, I'm having <laughs> flashes of of not Mark Mark Sanchez. Mark's, I guess probably Mark Sanchez. He's a he's a better Mark Sanchez to me. Okay. All right. I can, really. I, I, it's hard. It's hard for me to say that. But and, and then there's times when he plays. You know, you go up against the Patriots, get to the fucking Super Bowl, and you win. Yeah. I mean, and now that I'm going to ride that wave, I'm going to talk about this. So this game right now, this 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 wild card game against the Packers and the Giants in Lambeau Field, it's making me think of 2011. 2011, the Green Bay Packers went 15 and one or 14 and two. I can't remember. It might have been. I think it was 15 and one. Aaron Rodgers was the consensus MVP. Um, it was the year after the Packers had won the Super Bowl, and everybody was pretty much already giving the Super Bowl to the Packers. They get a first-round bye. They have a divisional game at home, and they draw the New York Giants, and the Giants beat them and bump them. Did Giants they blow go. Them out? Was that the game they blew them out, or I don't know if they blew them out, but the Giants beat them pretty convincingly for a team that had pretty much just mowed down the entire league all year. Right. So and 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 now, Giants went on to win the Super Bowl. Steve Spagnolo, I believe, was the defensive coordinator for that Giants team, which he is again, even though he went to five other, you know, he went to the Rams and the Saints, and now he's back with the Giants. So I know it's not the same team as 2011, but there's a lot of similar pieces. I'm seeing a lot of similar examples of how this is a championship defense in the Giants going up against a championship offense in Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. That's going to be the show. The show is going to be, can Aaron Rodgers actually be able to move the ball against the Giants D or are Landon Collins I don't think Jason Pierre-Paul is going to play but I mean is that front seven because the way they beat the Packers in 2011 was they screwed up his timing they messed up the you know they they didn't give Aaron Rodgers enough time in the pocket for the plays to develop and the passes to get out they got him to throw the ball quickly and it screwed up all the timing and they couldn't move the ball and they didn't have a running game then either you know I think they were dealing with Ryan Grant or I don't know who the hell they had back then, but the Packers didn't have a run game then. I'm seeing the same game plan unfolding. I think that there's going to be similar issues where Aaron Rodgers is going to struggle to move the ball because I think the Giants' defense is that dangerous. Now, I think Eli 
is also going to struggle because he's struggled all season. And the Packers have been playing a little bit better. But, you know, we've been joking about how all it takes is one Odell Beckham Jr. play to win a game. This might be the same storyline all over again. It might be one Odell Beckham Jr. slant that will win this game. Or it might, it might be one field goal, which is usually set up by an Odell Beckham Jr. one-handed catch as he tiptoes the sideline. I'm just... Sus- Sorry, go ahead. No, that's what I'm thinking is going to happen again, man. Like, I, I, with all of this excitement with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you know, and they don't announce MVP this weekend. They usually announce yeah. MVP by, like, conference championship weekend. If Aaron Rodgers loses this wild card game to the Giants, that might cost him the MVP award. Oh, you know what? I want to disagree with you, but at the same time, you know the voters are carrying it in the you back of their mind. You know they're carrying it in the back of their mind. He goes, I did beat the Giants defense. I, I think it's a crime if he doesn't win it. It's a crime. It is. Um, now to follow up on one of your 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 original posts, uh, the Giants beat the Packers five years ago. The score was thirty-seven to twenty. Okay. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It was a convincing win, um, and the defense did stymie him. Yeah. Um, I you know I we we've talked especially in the last few weeks just about how damn scary. This Giants defense is when yeah. they're 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 hot and you know they're not worried about who they're facing them off against. Mm-hmm. They just give guys fits. Mm-hmm. So I think I think if anyone's gonna give Aaron Rodgers the kind of looks that you know throw him off his game, it, this is probably the only team he's really gonna yeah. face off against, and maybe the entire playoffs. Yeah, that really can break his rhythm. It doesn't matter if he can scramble out of his pocket because he's gonna be worried more about not getting sacked. Then he is about creating plays downfield. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, granted, look, they got Janoris Jenkins. They got these guys who are great in one-on-one coverage. And mm-hmm. that's what happens when you have a guy who can break out of his pocket, who can roll left or right on you. And I've never seen a quarterback throw as well off off balance, off the proper feet, like without having his feet set, you know, off the wrong foot as I have Aaron Rodgers. And I think, you know, that's not really going to play in as much for him in this game. He's going to mm-hmm. have to have his feet set. You're going to have to have guys wide open, or at yeah. least he's going to have to be able to thread the needle um, against this Giants defense. And if he can't get his feet set because he's too busy evading a pass rush, he's going to be in trouble. Yeah. I mean, that's it. it you know, you said it. It's a little scary to pick it, but I'm picking the Giants, too. Uh, I, I, I kind of I have to, man. That defense is that good. I mean, they are you. They are that good, and it's you cannot underestimate. Defense wins championships, man. I mean... Every time I try to bet against a defense which looks so damn good, I always come up losing. You know, last year I tried to bet it. I picked the Panthers to win the Super Bowl, and I got burned. Um, I think we all went the Panthers on that one. That still was a head-scratcher how decisively wrong we all were. I mean, a couple of years ago, I picked the Denver Broncos to beat the Seattle Seahawks because I liked Peyton Manning in that offense, and then the Seahawks just obliterated them. And again, I, I bet against that championship Seahawks defense, and... To, to once again, and I think the last point I'll make about this this Giants-Packers um, game is uh, this element of how the Giants' defense is so dangerous. So now, I've been looking at the numbers, and I've, I've heard time and again, there's a couple of storylines that have popped up this season. The ratings have been down. One of the other things was how there weren't any good games. How some of the, some of the pundits have been talking about how there isn't just a team 
that is outright flawless, or there isn't a team that is just outright so good, it, it is completely just undisputed that team is dominating. You look at the 14-2 and New England Patriots, and all season we can talk about how their defense has been a little shoddy. You know, you talk about the Denver Broncos and how amazing their defense has been, but they're eight and eight and they're miss or nine and seven, and they're missing the playoffs. And then you've got, you know, Kansas City's got a nasty defense, but they also let up points. Like everybody is sort of up and down. One of the teams that is absolutely far and away, in my opinion, has the most convincing defense week in, week out, at least over the last month, which in my opinion is when it really matters, is the Giants. You know, the Ravens have been, they've talked, the Ravens had this great run defense, and it was a big deal when the Ravens played the Cowboys, and how they, Ezekiel Elliott still ran all over them, but the Ravens, I think, were the team that was talked about as having one of the better defenses in the league, and the Giants were kind of right up there with them, but right now, December football, January football, when it matters, there's not a better defense in the playoffs right now than the New York Giants. And this is how they won, you know, their other two championships. Exactly. Like, Granted, Eli played, you know, good football. At the end of the day, those, those defenses were the ones who carry it home. They yeah. shut things down. And listen, if Eli needs to make that one play in the fourth quarter, you know what? He usually makes it. Uh, yeah, honestly, he's never had a, be- a better wide receiver, I think, to make those plays. Amani Toomer was an okay wide receiver Dude, back then, you know, at the time. But you got... You got a guy who's Dude, and he's had above. some good wide receivers, man. Plexico Burris was, you know, he was nobody to roll over on. Victor Cruz, Hakeem Nix, these guys were good. And you know what? Yeah. I, Odell Beckham Jr. is probably the best one of all of them. Uh, yeah, yeah, I 100% agree on that one. So, I mean, you know, look, if they can put it together, if we can have just a passable game from Eli. I know you're 36. I know you're probably, you, you know, you're on your way out, but... You gotta get your shit together, buddy. Dude, you know, you know he's gonna step up when he needs to step up. I don't see a costly interception from Eli when the time comes. I see a game-winning touchdown from Eli when the time comes. Is that pro- this is probably gonna be one of the better playoff games I've seen in a while. I, I don't think I've been this excited about a playoff game in a while. Yeah, this so. one, this one is gonna be a marquee matchup, man. This is this is set your DVRs, get your popcorn ready. It's gonna be a show. Now, um, can we talk about someone who's not going to be in the playoffs? Absolutely. We've got, we got about five more minutes, and I was going to say, let's do it. Uh, Shaka, take us away. Um, so recently, very recently, the San Francisco 49ers have announced that Chip Kelly is no longer going to be the head football coach. Fuck that guy! Which, <laughs> which uh, you know, may not come to surprise to some people. It is a little bit to me. And as a whole, it was a surprise to me as well. I thought for sure they were going to give him another season. Yeah, I don't like this whole idea of giving a guy one year and then kind of giving him a boot, especially unless he's like, you know, absolutely causing the locker room to be torn apart and where he's just absolutely terrible at his fucking job. Yeah. You know, two years is what you kind of need to really figure out, you know, linearly speaking, how this is going to work. Yeah. So. All things considered, Chip Kelly went into a pretty shitty situation to begin with. Yes, he did. With, yes, he uh, did. Jed York, not knowing what the fuck he wanted in the yeah. coach in the first place. Yeah. And then bringing Chip Kelly in, not really giving him much of an opportunity to kind of finagle things out the way he would like. Mm-hmm. And then giving him the boot at the end of the year. Yeah. But I will say Chip Kelly is probably going to land on his feet. One, because he's getting money from your Eagles. Oh, yeah. Still. <laughs> He's getting money now from the 49ers because, what was it, four years, five a years? A four-year deal. They, they are now going to pay him for three years of not working. 
I mean, the guy doesn't have to work again, period. But, you know, bravo for Chip Kelly for fucking taking all that money. Dude. And, um, look, and at the same time, the 49ers also released the GM. What was his name? Trevor. Uh, Trent Bulky. Trent Bulky. Thank you. Um, so it kind of makes it look like Trent Bulky in the first place was undermining Chip Kelly in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I mean, you know, was... to say overall, that whole situation in San Francisco, ever since they let Harbaugh go, yeah, has been a, a fucking disaster. I, I mean, I think it's all pretty toxic. I think, listen, ha- you know, we talked about this, I think, in a podcast before, whereas lots of times these firings and these hirings are more... We talked about with the Browns, how um, it's it's almost more of a reflection of the owner and who the owner is and how the owner functions. Um, you know, to go one and done with a coach, I completely agree with you. It's ridiculous. You know, it's it's really sort of you know, setting someone up to fail to give them one year of coaching before you fire them. And I mean, the Niners have now done this two years in a row. They hired, they had Jim Tom Sula, who was a coach for one year. He was a guy who'd been in the organization a long time. I don't really know how much, how good his credentials were to warrant him getting that head coaching job. Um, He probably wasn't ready for it, but then, you know, they put him in a position he's not ready for. He doesn't perform well. They fire him. Then you go and you get a high-profile guy like Chip Kelly. You don't give him enough time to do anything, and you fire him. And that was another situation where it's like, dude, you're setting this man up to fail. As much as I dislike Chip Kelly, I certainly think <laughs> I certainly think he didn't bring too much to the team. It was certainly embarrassing to ownership to see a 13-game losing streak happen in their season. Um, yeah. And that I, we can't discredit that seeing a 13-game losing streak. Seeing your team go two and fourteen on the season, that really, really, you know, ruffles people's feathers. Like in in rich guy circles, I'm sure that's something where, you know what, when when you're so rich, money doesn't matter. All of a sudden, having your other rich friend poke fun at the fact that your team sucks ass, I, I think that's a bigger sort of impression to make on something than being like, ah, oh, we went eight and eight again, but you know what? There's a f- there's a cause for optimism. It's like, no, you went two and fourteen, and you're a laughing stock. That's enough to get somebody fired, at least in the NFL, and at least with owners like that. I think you should. I think Chip Kelly should have gotten another year. I mean, Trent Baalke should probably should have been fired a couple of years ago when they got rid of Harbaugh. I mean, pairing coaches with GMs that have not been hired together. That's a tricky situation, and I mean, I don't want to go too deep into the Bills situation, but same thing there, man. That you know, Doug Wally, the guy, or Whaley, the guy who's been the GM there. You know, he's been there through several coaches, and sooner or later, you know, you got to bring in a coach and a GM together because those two guys work so closely with one another. You know, it, it's it's like it's like in basketball. It's like you can't just bring in a backcourt mate and think that the point guard and the shooting guard are just going to work magically together because they were great on their own respective teams. There's chemistry. I'm honestly there, amazed that Willie's still there. He looks like a parrot at this point. Dude, just, I mean, he has no he has no um, influence whatsoever in any of the decisions. He's just kind of speaking for the owners at this point. Yeah, and when I saw this issue about how he had no idea what transpired between Rex Ryan and the owners, and the owners just fired. I mean, dude. Come on, you look even more like an idiot if you're not in the know. At least say no comment or say I can't speak on that or something to that effect. Don't just be like, ah, I wasn't in the room. It's like, then who the fuck are you, man? They they really, they threw him to the fucking sharks on that one. That press conference was, I mean, that's pretty much the beginning of the end for you. And listen, I know it's new ownership, but that's another franchise that's run poorly. The Bills, listen, even after Ralph Wilson passed away and the Pagulas uh, bought the team, there's still some poor management there. And 
You know, my boss right now at work uh, usually says to me, sometimes you can get rid of all the people in the entire organization, but the culture will stay the same. Yeah. I mean, I think, you're, I think you're seeing that in Buffalo, and I'd like to see it turn around in San Francisco. I know San Francisco has this storied history of Joe Montana and Jerry Rice and blah, 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 blah. But I got news for you, okay? Up until the Jim Harbaugh era, they were dog shit for a good solid decade. Yeah, Harbaugh did not get enough credit for what he was able to do. I mean, for look, the fact that he was able to take a, a bottom five team with Alex Smith, who had been a perennial underachiever, and take them to the Super Bowl. I mean, Harbaugh yeah, does not I, get enough credit. I, and it's unfortunate. I've, I've heard one suggestion is that you bring in uh, like a Mike Holmgren. And you let him run everything yeah. from top to bottom. But I don't know. It's I a mean, good idea. Mike Holmgren's he's too old. That's like saying let's bring in Bill Parcells. It's like, is it ten years ago? No, you gotta find yeah. you gotta go find someone now, like, you know, Thomas Dimitrov from the Falcons or John Schneider from the Seahawks. One of these guys who's really got a proven track record and is not, you know, over seventy. It's 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 a rough kind of situation going. So I would not want to go and work for like a Jed York at this point. I mean, no. look, um, the offensive coordinator for the Patriots right now, Josh McDaniels. He he's a, his name is coming up again as you know a potential coaching job. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't want to go to San Francisco and try to you know be the head coach of that situation where you yeah. got all these guys above you and undermining. Co- what you're trying to do? And we talked about this, which it, it's been apparent since Chip Kelly. The cupboard was bare. He came into a team with no talent. I mean, this yeah. was a Blaine Gabbert, Colin Kaepernick situation. Which one of these guys is going to be on the on the roster next year? At the start of the season, they were trying to move Kaepernick. They're, yeah, they're trying to save money, and I think they restructured his deal at some point during the season. It's kind of a promise to, you know, sign better players, and lo and behold, that did not happen. It's no. really just to kind of cut salary. Yeah, and, and you know, now what coach is going to want to come into that situation? Exactly. I mean, like you said before, it's a toxic environment. I would not want to step foot in there knowing that I'm basically getting a one-year job. Unless they gave me a great contract for three or four years, and I would come in, take the fucking money, and run. Yeah. Um, one last question before we finish up. Does Chip Kelly get a head coaching job next year? In the NFL, probably not. I wouldn't be surprised if someone called him in to put, uh, be their offense coordinator because he's still really good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, head coaching job. I don't see it. It's highly unlikely. Unless he decides to go back to college football. Yeah, I say no. Not in the NFL. Maybe in college football. I don't think he wants to go back to college football right now. No. And I also don't think he's someone who can be a coordinator. I think he's a head coach. He's like, I want to be a head coach. I want to be making the. Pl- I want to be doing everything. If I'm not doing everything, I ain't working there. I think he does what um McRoberts say. You go back and you kind of you lay low for a little bit. You enjoy not having all this responsibility. You know, go for go with a good organization. Somebody yeah. can kind of build an establishment with winning and get a little more prestige and a little more confidence. Because you know what? It's the NFL. It's a business. At some point, the carousel is going to come around again, and you're going to get another opportunity. Dude, good point. Good point. I think that's some very – Chip Kelly, if you're listening, this is good advice from Shaka. Just pay your dues, get your shit back together, rebuild your reputation. Opportunity will come back. Just do what I tell you, buddy. Just do what I tell you. Okay, that's it, man. I think we broke down Wild Card Weekend. Uh, everyone listening out there, uh, Shaka and I are going to sign off. As always, subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow me on, uh, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at Smithface Jones. 
And of course, if you've got any thoughts, questions, or predictions for these playoff games, email Shaka and I at samssportsstation at gmail.com, S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. On that note, Shaka and I are Audi 5000. Shaka, are you ready for wildcard weekend? As disastrous as some of these games are going to be, there's also going to be some really good games. So absolutely, I'm ready to go. Dude, I'm so ready for it. I hope everyone out there is ready for it as well. On that note, we are Audi. Shaka, take it easy. Enjoy the weekend. And everyone out there, bye-bye. Bye, guys.